Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> <laughs> Wine. I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted podcast where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and good morning. All I do is dream of you because you were meant for me. Are you my lucky star? Well, if Moses supposes, would you hear that Broadway melody at the wedding of the painted doll? I've got a feeling you're fooling, so should I? In the end, just make them laugh. Joining us today are the usual rain singers, including Kevin, fit as a fiddle and ready for love, Jager. Yes! <laughs> Kimberly, our beautiful girl montage, game master, and unofficial babysitter for the hour. Full montage. <laughs> <laughs> And with us today are the usual monumental picture stars, the two hammies and a tammy. Let's give a big, broad-waisted welcome to friends of the show. Friends of the show! Aaron J. Albano, Haley Petrun, and Akeisha Williams! Y'all ready for this? Welcome! Thanks, I was doing my Charleston, so... I loved it. It was excellent. Good. It's kind of cool. Like I knew exactly what your feet were doing just by your hand motion. Like right. I feel like there are very few dances like that anymore. Where it's like oh God, uh, it's so but, true. Yeah, actually, kind of. That's real. Um, well, today's a pony. Well, I'm talking about like contempt. I mean, I guess it's a bigger conversation about like how contemporary dances don't make their ways in Broadway dance and and that and uh, and the. Um, Pop dance is so different now that like it's a miracle if they both come together in the same show. Anyway, I don't know. We'll see the walk on Broadway soon. P- yeah. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> well, on What's that note, Broadway? We're, today we're watching "Singing in the know. Rain," or we watched already "Singing in the Rain." Singing in the rain. Um, singing. This in is the my rain. living room, but now I'm going to go into the office. I just did that for the. Uh, for the <laughs> Um, of a visual tag on a podcast. Totally. <laughs> That's for patrons. Um, but uh, thank you all for joining us. So let's just start with what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Kevin, why don't you start? Oh, he's not there. Um, Kimberly, why don't you, Kimberly, why don't you start? I have a gin and tonic. We discovered 
diet gin that already had lime. And okay. I would recommend um, regular tonic or diet tonic and an actual lime. It's very, it does not taste real. Kevin, what are you drinking? I uh, drank a little too much this weekend. So sure. I am drinking a uh, seltzer right now, actually. All right, Nikisha. I'm finishing up that $11 bottle of wine. Yeah. And then maybe I'll move on to the rest of the moonshine that I have. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Aaron, what are you drinking? I am back to a red wine as well. Um, I am doing a carnivore um, oh. cab salve. It's very chocolatey. I like it. Ooh. Yum. Um, Haley? I have a jalapeno margarita in my Hello Dolly glass. Oh, oh cute. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, Ryan, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, tequila with um, lime soda in the Reuben and Clay Christmas. It was the closest oh God, thing. I'm so jealous. It was the closest Ruben thing I could Clay. find to like. Was the closest thing I could find to like, like an old, like I, like I don't know. There's a lot to talk about with this movie. You need to say, yes. Clay Cup. Did we go to say the whole title? Ruben and Clay's first annual Christmas Carol Family Fun Pageant Spectacular Reunion Show, in which I drank two of these full of red wine with Mr. Aaron J. Albano. Oh yeah, Aaron, this is yours. I this is yours, Aaron. Wait, that's, that's my that's my cup. Amazing. So we're watch we watch Singing in the Rain this week. <laughs> Before we get into anything, I am going to kind of go through a little bit of the um, some of the background. Now, let's be honest. There is so much like trivia and background information about this movie, and we're not going to go through all that. So you know, I'm just going to kind of share the high level stuff that is like myth or lore or whatever you know, whatever the case may be about this, because like as one of the most popular, what people consider the best movie musical, what people consider the best movie of all time. Um, there's just so much to go along with this and we just don't have time to cover that. Um, um, so I'm just going to kind of go through the basics of uh, singing in the rain so that we can actually talk about our watch of this and some things I want to talk through, um, in this watch is obviously we're going to go through the fun stuff. Like what's your favorite number? What blew you away? What underwhelmed you about some of the numbers? But I also want to talk about, does it hold up? What was icky this time through? What didn't bother you as much? Um, as you thought it might being a movie from the 1950s, um, you know, taking place earlier than that. Um, so let's kind of get into it now. Um, Singing in the Rain was uh, directed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan. Um, it was produced by Arthur Freed. The screenplay was by Betty Condon and Adolph Green. Um, same with the story. Um, it starred Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, and Debbie Reynolds. And the music was by producer Arthur Freed, who, long story short, was, a, was in charge of producing all these types of movies, and he wanted to use his own music catalog. So, like, why not produce this? Uh, Inacio Herb Brown um, 
Um, and then any other songs, I think some of them were Comden and Green. Like I believe Moses Supposes is Comden and Green. They popped that in. Um, this was released March 22nd of 1952 at Radio City Music Hall and then to the public on April 11th, 1952. Um, the budget was $2.5 million. Uh, box office gross is about $7.2 million. So it made a good amount of money. Um, on first um, release, this was by no means the classic that we consider it now. It was it was well received, but like it wasn't like people's favorite. Um, but um, you know, people enjoyed it. Um, subsequently, it has become one of the considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, the American Film Institute and the British Film Institute all ranked it. Um, depending on the list, you'll find it at number one for movie musicals, I believe. I'm um, in like top ten or top twenty for uh, best movies of all time. Um, and, and there are other different lists. Um, it was nominated for two Oscars that year, Best Supporting Actress, um, as well as um, uh, Best Score. Um, so it was nominated for those two Academy Awards it was that year. Was Supporting, or was it for the girl who played... Uh, no, it was for Gene Hagen as the, um, the Lina, the Lena, Lena character. Lena. Oh, it's her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, so yeah, she was, uh, she was nominated there and then for best score, um, there. So that's the basics of it all. I mean, um, some of the, the fun trivia, if you will, is, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest like myths and rumors or whatnot about the singing in the rain dance number. Um, the first one, uh, Gene Kelly had 103 fever, um, while doing that. Um, so if those of you know, basketball, Michael Jordan, like had a fever that the, the Michael Jordan fever game, this was the, uh, this was the Gene Kelly fever dance. Um, you know, 103 <laughs> doing that. The rain, um, shrunk his wool costume. So that's why it appears a little bit tighter. Um, be, uh, and, uh, some say that they mix like milk or certain things with the water to make it look bigger for screen and more visible, but it was all done with backlighting that apparently was a pain in the butt to do. Um, some other fun facts about this is, um, after the, um, after they filmed the make them laugh number, um, uh, Donald Connor was hospitalized for a couple of days because he had been smoking like four packs a day. So like his like lung, he was just like done. So he was in a hospitalized for a couple of days. Um, and Gene Kelly was very mean to Debbie Reynolds. Um, and he admitted it years later that he's like, I can't believe she even talked to me the rest of that shoot. Um, he was, she had a gym, she had a gymnast's background, um, but was, um, not a dancer. Um, a dancer dances but she was not a dancer and um, he just got very frustrated and would yell at her apparently um, and um, she like would run off crying and, and the, the rumor is is that Fred Astaire was on the lot during those days and like helped her with her dance numbers for the, for the movie um, so that's right. kind of the that's the rumor I, I, that's, I don't know if that's true or not um, and then the other thing is um, Good Morning apparently took it all day to film and when she was done her feet were super bloody um, and then she has a famous quote that's like the two hardest things she's ever done in her life were singing in the rain and giving birth. Um, oh. So that's that's what wow. happened there. Um, Did they even say that Gene Kelly went into the studio and then re-recorded the taps anyways after doing that like all day good morning? <laughs> That's yeah. another that's another thing there yet too. So he took a little note from the movie they were making and redubbed some stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, so like this has a lot of history to it, but, um, in hindsight, it, you know, uh, it's one of the, uh, we will talk about it, what we think about it, but it's considered one of the best ever. Um, 
and so let's uh, let's kind of get into it. What is your? Uh, we'll go around. What were your overall thoughts, and um, what's your relationship with? Um, I guess not just this movie, but kind of this t- type of movie, this style of movie. This is so a product of its time in terms of what type of a movie it is. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll also talk about how movies like we've watched, like La La Land, do they succeed in giving an ode to this movie? Um, like that type of thing. Um, we'll talk about kind of, uh, we'll talk about that as well. But let's, uh, let's go around the horn. What were your high level thoughts and who, uh, and what's your relationship to this movie and this type of movie? So um, Haley, let's start with you. Um, I think my mom bought this DVD for me to watch on the way to my grandma's house. We had one of those later on down the line. We have one of those, uh, four wheel drive car things that had a DVD thing pop down. Oh yeah. So she bought that. She bought American in Paris and like a few other things. And I was like, I don't want to watch this, but I loved singing in the rain. I thought it was so good. Um, I will say I had a lot of rosé when I watched this movie, um, this go around. So if you ask me any like super high level things, that's good. Um, I can't say anything, Um, but I just love this movie and it makes me so proud to be a performer when I watch this movie. Sure. Um, Nikisha. So this is one of my all time favorite movies. Uh, I remember I used to watch, uh, TCM Turner classic, uh, movie channel a lot when I was little. Um, and they would always, in addition to playing like old movies, they would just play clips of, of movies. So I saw a lot of the Gene Kelly clips of him dancing, but I didn't completely watch the movie from start to finish until I was in high school. My uh, English teacher showed us this movie and I was just enamored by everything. Um, I definitely have, this movie on DVD and have bought it on Amazon prime and I watch it at least once a year. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I, I just love everything about the dancing and the costumes and, uh, the musical numbers, like all of it is just so witty and smart and it makes fun of itself for the time that it is. And, um, it was always fun just, uh, watching on TCM, like hearing about all those facts that Brian was talking about and like how much of a perfectionist Gene Kelly was and uh, how mean he was to everyone, but he produced great work. Um, not an excuse being a jerk, but he produced great work. Uh, and yeah, I I love this movie. I actually showed it uh, to one of my castmates when um, early, early on in quarantine, uh, Marcus John, Aaron, you know. Yeah. And um it was his first time seeing it and he like was in it to win it and loved it too. Yay. So it was nice to share that moment, but yeah, I, I love everything about it. I'm also wearing my Vera Ellen shirt that my friend gave me because of the time <laughs> uh, period. I am obsessed with this entire genre uh, and all of the dancing, everything about it is just great to me. Cool. Um, Kevin. Um, so I would seen this movie a few times when I was younger, like a kid. Um, I think it's a good movie. Uh, I like the show. I think the show is fun. And uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a really long time. So I watched it today and it was, uh, I was confused because there was a song in it that I was like, why are they singing a song from Grey Gardens? But Will You like is like what opens or like or ends the act one, I think, of Grey Gardens. Oh, Would You? Would You. 
Yeah. I've never seen Grey Gardens, so I don't know. Oh, so I was really thrown off by that. And I was like, how is the song from Grey Gardens back in time in this movie? <laughs> they sing that, I think, in the documentary of Grey Gardens. is something she sings a lot. Because oh. they do it in oh. that, that like, oh. HBO to Barrymore adaptation of Grey Gardens. They sang that song, too. That makes sense. Okay, because I was just like, this song must have a connection to them in the same time period. Um, as far as these kind of movies, we watched a lot of these when I was growing up. Um, we watched like, we mostly watched like the Bing Crosby, Bob Hope stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen all like most of the classics. Um, and yeah, I, I like these kind of movies. I think they're super fun. They're like that golden age of Hollywood and they're always just like make you smile. Um, Aaron. Um, this is the first time I watched it like and paid attention. So I didn't grow up watching this movie. The first time I watched this movie was when I was babysitting. And the mom that I was babysitting for was like, turn on Singing in the Rain. She loves Singing in the Rain. <laughs> and I said, Aww. okay. And so me and this like three-year-old watched Singing in the Rain together. And I was clearly one eye on the TV, one eye on her to make sure like she was chill and she was good and she was like enjoying the movie. I was like a hawk the whole time watching the movie. And I was just like, okay. And so I like, that's when I kind of got familiar with it. But this is the first time. And now that little girl is Leia Salam. Aaron's Work. like, I was at the Radio City premiere and Work. Wow. <laughs> I love you. You know I love you. I'm oh, sure. I know. That girl was Carrie Fisher and we were <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you were bit, the mom was Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> she loves <laughs> But yeah, and so like this is the first time I like watched it. <laughs> this is the first time I watched it like paying attention and I loved I loved it I thought it was fantastic um I think it really holds up I I, like I I don't have a whole lot of history with the old like movie musicals of Hollywood I think I've seen this one I think I've seen American in Paris and that might be all she wrote like Mm -hmm. so like of the of the movies that I've seen I love them um well when you don't get cast in something you you don't want to see it Correct. Uh huh. And they already had one Filipino who was the who was the like the the oh he was like the car valet at the party. I was oh like, sure, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can pick um, him out. <laughs> um, Kimberly. Um, I also don't have a big history with the old Hollywood movies. Um, my sister went through an Audrey Hepburn phase in high school, and so. I, being two years younger, also had to go through the Audrey Hepburn phase. It was right after Gwyneth Paltrow, right before um, maybe Julia Roberts. There, there was a hierarchy of the phases we went through in movie watching. Um, so we watched a lot of Funny Face and Sabrina and Roman Holiday. Um, but it was not, I didn't watch Singing in the Rain until I was at Surflight Theater. And I revealed to one of the acting interns that I had never seen Singing in the Rain, and they deemed that unacceptable. And they basically strapped me down and made me watch it that night. Um, And I had a great time. And then when I 
started dating Jay. Um, they have a big family tradition of watching White Christmas once or twice a holiday season. We do. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I had never seen it. And that was another, like, Jay deemed that unacceptable and strapped me down and made me watch White Christmas. Um, <laughs> and now it is a beloved <laughs> tradition. So I, I don't know. Those are really, like, the only two big old Hollywood mu- movie musicals I have sure. much relationship with. If we were watching a movie musical growing up, it was either Fiddler on the Roof or Brandy Cinderella. Hmm. Those were, do you want an hour and a half? Do you want three and a half hours? Those were <laughs> <Yeah>. movie musical. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I also do remember watching a, a few clips. Does anybody remember the old Film Center Cafe? Yes, they have the best um, salads. Yeah, so on like 9th Avenue, there used to be a, a, like, a restaurant. No, it was where Boca de Baco yeah. um, is. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And it was the film center and it like, like on the TV all the time would be like old because on the walls, it was like different movie, like oh. RKO, 20th Century Fox. Yeah, I That's worked like, the building across the street, which is the film center building. The film yeah. center, yeah. Yeah. That's like mm-hmm. a hip thing to do at restaurants, like play old, like classic um, Hollywood movies, like behind the bar, like with well, no VR sound or something that like that. 43rd. Yeah, VR does. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went there because they had an equity discount. <laughs> film Center Cafe. Oh, I um, the Film Center Cafe. But, um, you know, uh, my relationship with this is I hadn't seen this in a long time. However, I saw... Um, a Clockwork Orange before I've seen this. So I was more introduced to the singing in the rain through Clockwork Orange. I've um, never seen a Clockwork Orange. They hey, use, that's, that they use singing in the rain as a music cue throughout that movie. Yeah. Oh. Um, so it, the, the juxtaposition in that movie is that he's being corrupted and his brain is corrupt, but it's like the juxtaposition is they play singing in a rain against it. You have this very happy, visceral um, piece of music that you can associate with something that makes you like Gene Kelly dancing, smile, singing in the rain is like supposed to be wonderful against his like ultra violent um uh, uh, mannerisms and, and so anyway that was my first but um, I eventually watched Singing in the Rain and, and luckily like my associations with that aren't they, they, they're not intertwined um, but um, I hadn't watched it in a long time so I watched it um, this morning for the first time in for the first time in forever so um, for the first time in forever um, so you see them every day of your life but I see them in my living room every single day of my life um, <laughs> because that poster is great. Um, but yeah, so that's my, um, that's mine. Um, I had a great time watching it, but I think there's a lot more to get into. And I think this movie, I, I think this movie is a very interesting movie to discuss because there are two versions of this movie. There is the hyped up, this is great American cinema movie. And then there's the sitting down and watching it. And like, what are your feelings about it? Um, so let's uh, let's just start. Uh, let's just start with like, as as a golden age movie musical that we can agree. I think we can all agree is one of the better ones of its elk. Um, uh, what um, what 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 holds up for you? What really worked for you? And then uh, and then we can you can either get into it on this one, um, or we can get into it a little bit later. What doesn't hold up? Like just what just didn't work for you? Um, so two sides of that coin. Uh, anyone can start. I'll start. I, sure. I, I think I 
I sent this a little bit in the group text where what really struck me about this movie and why I think I love, like, I like it a lot um, is that it's a love story, but it is, but these, there's two stories happening. One is the, like the evolution of an art form that's going from like, and the change from like silent movies into real, into movies. And like that storyline is sort of happening just like with, along with the um, love story that are both very, they're, they're both very well developed. They're both very well thought out and they're both like one doesn't suffer for the other and vice versa. Um, and I think that really works for the movie as an, as a 1950s movie and as a 2020 movie, to be frank. Like, I think it finds a voice in marrying those two storylines together where, I mean, if you like nitpick at it, you can choose which was the A and which is the B, but they're pretty like well um, meshed. And I think that in terms of storytelling, I think that's, it's really strong in that way. Um, I think what, and I, and also because of that, like just from up from like an overarching story element, I don't think a lot does, making sure there's not like more than more negatives here. It doesn't not hold up very well. Like it, like it really holds up as does a movie. Not, not, not hold up? Not, not, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it, I think it's really strong. I think it is really, like, there are a, not even a lot. There's, like, one thing that I'm a little, like, but as a whole, I think the movie is great. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that these, I'll be honest, a lot of these movies in this time period and these types of movies are really boring. You're just, like, get to the num- get to the dance number because that's all I care mm-hmm. about. In this one, I, I, I was happy with whether it was a scene or a dance number because the scenes were very of the time and, like, you accepted that. It's also a period. It's a weird thing because it's a period piece about a couple oh, of years yeah. before that, but it also mm-hmm. has a very n- early 1950s feel to it at the same time. Um, like a lot of movies do, it's it's the 50s version of the late, you know, of w- yeah. when the... Yeah. When silent became talkies um i would say the only icky thing for me was i guess at the time like the fact that they didn't tell her the plan at the end and yes, made her yes. suffer made That's her suffer that embarrassment in front of everyone is yucky and i think that if this was made today she'd be in on it with them um mm-hmm. because they use they they use her vulnerability in that in to create drama and tension when I think there was already enough there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the one moment that I'm like, this keep running, girl. Like like he don't, like, but every more like it should have been her idea at the end. Mm. And not just because the whole I don't know. Like I loved how she was like, I'm not like you don't think I'm dumb from what's her name? Lena. Lena. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's like she is not dumb and she knows what she's worth and she's sticking up for herself, even though she's insane. Um, So that then, like, it felt icky in that, like, they were taking on a strong woman by embarrassing both women. Yeah. Mm. Two very strong women characters, whether you agree with their their motivations or not. Women would have just had it out. Yeah, for sure. And, like, men observe. 
But mm-hmm. that was really it because I was also just very proud of that movie for having two really strong female leads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And they, I, I guess they also had, mm, this borders on the Bechdel test because they do have conversations just about like who's going to be the star of like the picture show, but it does involve the men in those scenes. So yeah. like, I would almost mm-hmm. say like, this is like getting there, if that makes sense. Um. Kevin. Um, yeah, I agree with everybody what they've been saying. I also thought it was just interesting to watch this and realize how many parts of this don't make sense anymore with like the kind of world we have now. Like not that they don't hold up, but just it wouldn't work that way. Like when he is telling his story of who he was and we're seeing like all this stuff, I'm like, there's a literally like a digital footprint of every theater you worked at nowadays. Like yeah. the, your, my picture is still on like the website of like a, the children's theater tour I did with mm-hmm. my headshot and my bio from like 2009. So like, it's still there. Like if you Google someone, you can find all their stuff. And with like social media, it's just like, everyone's always broadcasting their stuff. So like, you wouldn't be able to lie and make up a full false narrative in today's society. Yeah. And then oh, when he's talking to the, talking to the press. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, got it. I thought you. I thought you meant when he was talking to Kathy. I was like, "Well, oh, no, 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 what's, but, yeah. And then also when they go to the first screening and you hear her real voice, like there would have been a bootleg, yeah, or like there would have been like mm. this was like it would have been a muffins. Whereas then it was just like those fifty people hate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that makes me very anxious. Because it's just like, because everything is so self-contained and our brains are, are now wired to think about like, how is this going to be elsewhere? Is this going to last forever? Like, how is this information going to get out? It was interesting to talk about like that the PR, what the PR guys were talking about. And like in that room, you're just like, well, all this information is only going to stay in that room. Like, how do they get it out? And like, and they, they do that with the billboard at the end. But it was like, it was fascinating how my brain was thinking about this movie based on what the film was presenting it. Like, I was yeah. also like too many people in rooms and everyone was shaking hands and it made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything I watched, like I'm watching Away right now, that new Netflix show with Hillary Swank in space. Yeah. And there's one point where they all go into this one tiny room on the spaceship. And I, my brain was just conditioned to, like, you can't go in there. It's not a six-foot room. Like, you can't both be in that room. And then I was like, it's there in space. <laughs> Wait, did anybody else notice in the Moses Opposes scene where, like, like it's a huge studio. And they're, yeah. like, practicing their, their like, vocalizes. And then du- Cosmo... Cosmo walks in like through the little French doors and he's like, don't mind me. And then comes right here. Like <laughs> amidst the, like, I'm just oh, like, go yeah. sit down, go sit down on a chair or go not be in. Yeah. It was like, yeah. this is Crazy. very close. Uh, Nikisha, you were going to say something. No, I, I just agree with what everyone's saying. I mean, I really, I didn't think about necessarily like the, virus aspect of everybody being close but it's just because I have such like nostalgia for this movie like I know exactly what I'm getting into I know exactly what's coming up next and I know exactly the moments that are going to make me like feel good in the moments that I might be like oh I could pass on this like the scene with Debbie Reynolds on the ladder that song like I can pass that 
that's you know we all can not not (laughs) yes but everything else it's just like donald o'connor who plays cosmo every one of his one-liners are just epically amazing Mm -hmm. um like when when somebody was talking to Lena and saying like, yeah, we have to keep our star, our movie stars looking ridiculous at all costs. And he's like, there's not enough money in the world. <laughs> and it's just like, absolutely. Yes. He is like the, the center of, of the movie for me. Um, so I, I, yeah, every, everything about it, I think it holds up. There wasn't anything that made me um, feel icky. And even in this moment in time where we're all talking about, um, honestly everything black lives matter like in watching this and not seeing a single black person i still was just like this is great i love this because of the time and what it is and it just <laughs> holds up well. sure, um and it's <clears throat> the story is i wouldn't say like universal but it's our industry so it makes it interesting because yeah. you're seeing a part of our industry that um is a part of history and changing from silent movies to talkies and that just seems like something um interesting to watch in general how that process might have gone as they were really transitioning and uh i think that it did a good job again of like making fun of itself and saying like we're gonna have all these technical problems because even though this is hollywood and we present picture perfect things there's still things that go wrong and that we have to work through to like make things happen um so yeah i think it's great and the one thing that i do think about every time i watch it is like I wonder if Gene Kelly yelled at Debbie Reynolds for this step, or I wonder if he yelled at these people <laughs> <laughs> for doing this. Or like, oh, this like. man. And then looking at Debbie, because sometimes in those group dance numbers, she looks like a deer in headlights. Like, she's just so afraid. Uh. Like, if you go back and look at um, the Good Morning dance number, some some of her facial expressions, she just looks like a deer in headlights, and it feels like she could crack at any moment because she's trying not to do anything wrong and it's really kind of sad but um, I've never noticed that I'm only ever looking at like her port of bra and how easy it is and I'm like "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) yeah not like because I didn't know any of that I was like wow yeah no going this time in particular I I was looking just more at the dancing aspects and just looking at Debbie Reynolds' face, I'm like, oh, that poor girl. I'm sure that he probably just like wiped the floor with her, but it's still a great, it's a great movie. <laughs> um, Haley, were you going to say something else? Um, I mean, you know me, I love a costume moment. So these <laughs> costumes really hold up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that outfit that Lena gets out in at the very first, you know. Oh, yeah. Silver mm-hmm. With the fur, I'm, like, crying. Just, like, what an honor it would be to wear something like that. And I have worn stuff like that, but it's, like, oh, what gold this is. Um, I mean, just, like, looking at my notes, like, the amount of streamers that they put out in Dream of You. I'm, like, those poor women dancing in all those streamers. That's all I'm thinking about. And then, of course, like, make them laugh is perfect. It holds up. It will always hold up. Like, I was laughing out loud. It doesn't matter how much rosé I had. I was laughing out loud. <laughs> I was singing along to Moses Supposes. Um, that wind machine in the ballet had to be so insane because mm. if you yes. look how long that fabric is that is behind her, and it is going like this. and It's it is, gorgeous. It is, like, 50 feet. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If not more. Yeah, that is like a hurricane 
Like, like whoever was running that fan needed needed a raise because like <laughs> the fact that she did not trip at all and the fact that in the exact right moment it just shot up and if you notice like her hair is not moving but the train right. is moving it's like perfect but also she's not so moving good. like that and she's not moving <laughs> and she is just coming forward and not like flapping no. in the wind like one of those wacky wheeling inflatable tube man you know like <laughs> like she is strong and then this thing is just like effortlessly was that all the green dress girl yeah yeah She's Sid Charisse, right? Sid so, Sid so two people we did not talk about yet are Sid Charisse and Rita Moreno are in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Sid, Sid Charisse is, we learned about all about her in college and she is like, she's the bee's knees. Um, the bee's knees. Yeah, the, green, the green dress was Sid Charisse and then um, Rita Moreno was the zip girl and she was also Lena's friend. Um, and this was her first movie. Huh. It was nice. Oh, really? I know. Oh, Isn't that God. insane? That's At least awesome. that's what I read online. But like Sid Charisse was doing the ballet as well as like the like the first part, like all of the stuff was her doing it, right? Yes, that's impressive. As she's a ballet dancer first. Oh, she was no no strap on that heel. Yes, did you see my story? Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> like when when we filmed Hairspray. Um, did you know I was in Hairspray, you guys? What? <laughs> I know. So they gave us like period type shoes to dance in. And we were like, are you kidding me? We're doing like styles of 2004, you know, in this period piece and film. But they had to give us elastic that went around our feet. And then they colored them to match like our skin color. I mean, if you look really close, you'll see it. It looks so busted. But it's like to know that Sid Charisse did that whole number and really any women of that time who were doing these movie musicals, this is stuff I look at. I look at those costume things of like, oh, there's a really good one of Vera Ellen. Uh, what's that yellow outfit that she's in with that tap number? Nikki oh. White Christmas. Um, White Christmas. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's another example. Like, uh, bitch is not wearing a strap on her shoe. And just going to town. Yes. And living her life. I know that some of you listening to this and watching um, <laughs> may not understand, like, how hard that is. But that's insane. And that's a whole other thing. And I was just like, yes to centuries. <laughs> I tell you, my favorite thing is as full out and fierce as centuries is. Did we all see in the end of Broadway Melody the dude in the like he was like stage right off of off of like Gene Kelly's stage right like like shoulder uh-huh. in a plaid suit just marking? No, no. no. marking. I was like, come on, dude. Well, Aaron, do you know where else we mark? Tuesday in the corner with Kevin. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Okay, so this movie uh, made me pull out of my uh, chest drawers one of our favorite tomes of knowledge and intelligence. Uh, So today's Kevin's Corner is Tap Out, Kevin's Rules for Appropriate Tap. Man, Kevin, you beat me to it. That was my big question for you. So I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Mine it too. Oh my Same. God. This is why Kevin said, it's a good movie. 
It was, <laughs> it was, it was fun to watch. Okay. So <laughs> if yeah. you are one of the five people that I'm talking to right now, or uh, most of the people listening at home, you know that tap dancing is not usually my cup of tea, AP, if you will. So um, I have some very strange rules that have caused us to kind of do like in our text thread, like random scenarios to see if they fit Kevin's rules <laughs> if the tap is appropriate or not. So I've created some questions for you guys. And each of you got two questions. We'll go around twice. And I'll ask you a question with multiple choice answers. You'll have to get which one is correct. Okay. Um, and we're going to start with uh, Aaron. Okay. Aaron, number one. Which of these must be included for a tap dancing number to not automatically be considered absurd according to Kevin's rules for appropriate tap? A, the show must be from a new writing team. B, the show must be set in a fantasy land. C, the show must be a strong contender for best musical. Or D, the show must have been created pre-1965. D. Which D. one? D, final answer. D is correct. The show must have been created pre-1965. Oh. Is 65 a reason, or just, that's just like you made up that benchmark of a number? In all Let's look up what tap numbers happened in 1966. Whatever <laughs> yeah. people talk about, like the golden age, or like pre-Broadway, it's usually they say sing a song pre-1965. Sure. The, at least okay. this, is, this is like a music school thing, because like the yeah. idea is the turn from contempt from like classic to contemporary Broadway is my fair lady, which was 1965, I believe. No wait, Is it the show needs to have been made before 1965 or the show needs to take place before 1965? Made. For this question, it was made. Okay. Um, but the rules get complicated. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Good question though. Question two is for uh, Nikisha. Question two. Would Kevin's rules for appropriate tap approve of a tap show set out on a rural farm? Question or answer A, yes. Why not? Answer B, no way. Where are those sounds coming from? The grass, the hay, or C, no way. Unless the only tap number has something to do with a barn raising or takes place on the roof of said barn. Oh, Ooh, Kevin, oh, that's hard. Man. That the is hard. I want to say between B and C, but then I'm trying to think of an example of C. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Good thinking, Nikisha. You have to think this way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and because I can't off the top of my head, because the only thing roof-related is Fiddler on the Roof and there's no tapping, um, I'm going to go <laughs> with B. What are they doing? Grass? That is correct. Yes! Hey! That's what I would have said. I would have, I would have okay. said crazy for you, but that was not before 1965. What about so. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Don't they do some dancing, tap, it's tap not dancing? Tap, though. It is like, oh. tap. not tap, not The acrobatics and ballet. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That number in crazy is very good. That's also just not good, so we can... Here's the about kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, it's a musical... Let's not get into that again. That's a whole nother corner. That's a corner for a different day. Yes. All right. Question three goes to uh, Haley. Haley, do Kevin's rules for appropriate tap allow for a show created post-1965 to use tap in multiple numbers 
and not be ridiculous and absurd? A, yes, tap is incredible and should be in everything. <laughs> B, no, no tap, stop tippy tapping, no. Or C, no, no tap, unless the show is set in the pre-1965 nostalgic golden age of Hollywood kind of show. See, this is hard because we talked about this a little bit with Something Rotten. Like, we tap a lot in that show, and that show knows how ridiculous it is, and it is pre-1965. It's in the <laughs> Renaissance. <laughs> oh, God. May I hear B and C again? Sure. <laughs> no, no tap. Stop tippy-tapping. No. And C is no, no tap. Unless the show is set in a pre-1965, nostalgic, golden age Hollywood kind of place. Oh, God. I'm going to go out on a real big limb and say C. C is correct. <laughs> we have another exception to the rule where it's if it's done in 1899 and just <laughs> twinks are doing it in a cafe. <laughs> We'll see if that comes up in the rules. <laughs> Kimberly, question four. Yes. What is Kevin's rules for appropriately tapped official stance on tapping in dream sequences? A, tapping in dream sequences, yawn, no. B, tapping in dream sequences, okay, if the taps are being used to express some intense emotion in an inventive way. Or C, Dream, dream sequences are and forever shall be dream ballets. So get out the point shoes and slap on the leotards because this show no. is getting graceful. C. C is correct. Although C and A are the, kind of the same answer. Also, Kevin, I'm very glad that question was for me. Uh, of course. <laughs> I carry the questions on our uh, Kevin's Corner segment. Thank you. Okay, uh, question number five is for Brian. Okay. Question five. <clears throat> what is one way deemed appropriate by Kevin's rules for appropriate tap that a show could be created post-1965 with tap dancing that is not set in the nostalgic golden age of Hollywood movie eras? Uh, a, if the show is, uses tap as its main inspiration to purposefully forward move, move forward the drama <clears throat> and action of the narrative in an inventive and inspiring way, with the vo vocabulary of the unique art of tap. B, if the show is using tap in any random number they want, in any scenario they want, where the proper flooring or proper footwear aren't available as a chance to kind of mug to the audience for some cheap applause, or C, everything in the main inspiration of the narrative using the vocab of tap answer, but also if it's a row of dancing boys, I'm pretty sure I'd be on board. Like. Newsies could tap, and that's totally fine. So I was going to go with A until you said C. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with C. Um, and my, my thought process behind that was that you are accepting of the Squidward number in SpongeBob, SpongeBob. Which, is, which, is, which is pushing um, Squidward's like, thought process and want to forward. Correct. And then if you add the boys in the chorus, it's a perfect number. Correct. It's oh, perfect because he's dreaming of the big Broadway Golden Age stream, which is the tap dancing number. 
There it is. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, with that mustache, you are no longer a newsie, my friend. <laughs> I mean, right. it has been a it has been survival. Years. Aaron Albano is Pulitzer. Not even. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. Aaron gets question six. Yes. Okay, question six. What is another reason that may be deemed appropriate for tap dancing in Kevin's rules? A. If the lead character is known from their most recent appearance on America's Got Talent where they tap danced. B, if the show is a love story about computers and the characters tap when their human is typing on their keyboard. Or C, if the show is a show about dancers, dancing, a dance studio, or dance competition. Knowing you, I feel like the answer would be B because it would be the most appropriate for the story. So I'm going to give you half credit because I came up with B as a wrong answer, but I actually think that's a brilliant idea. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could half credit, but the answer was C. If it's a show about dancers, then you can tap. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that yes. But storytelling, Kevin, would like to be. Correct. Storytelling Kevin was like, oh, we should go with that. Um, (laughs) Storytelling Kevin would be very critical and they'd have to do it right. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Nikisha, question seven. Mm -hmm. According to Kevin's rules for appropriate tap, can a show include tap dancing if the characters are anthropomorphic animals or fantasy creatures? A, sure, why not? How would I know what a fantasy creature step sounds like? Plus, people are probably more distracted by anthropomorphic animals or fantasy creatures talking and would forget about the tap dancing sounds being out of place. B, no way. Why would they be wearing tap shoes? Or C, no way. Unless the specific animals or fantasy characters have hooves or some kind of appropriate footwear situation that would warrant the kind of sound that you get from tapping. If it is decided that the fantasy character society dictates that they wear tap shoes at all times so they can be heard and never move somewhere without making a noise because their government is controlling them like a 1984 Big Brother type style. And then uh, all of a sudden I thought, wait, this is a really cool concept. I should stop putting this in the Kevin's Corner question and actually explore this. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that made me have so many thoughts. Um, because, like, are you writing Animorphs, the musical, number one? Work, Animorphs! <laughs> uh, number two, are you talking about Donkey from Shrek, like, and tapping? <laughs> um, I don't know. Also, I feel I, like, the, like Brian's addendum changed your answer about Squidward. Right. Ooh! I'm going to go with... Oh... See, because you want to explore it? <laughs> I actually do. Yes, that is the correct answer. Great. <laughs> and Haley gets the last question of the evening. But uh, Brian and Kimberly can help you. Oh, thank you. What has made Kevin, Kevin's rules for appropriate tap such an influential part of the everyday fabric of Kevin's comments or movie club text thread whenever we're discussing Kevin's rules for appropriate tap? <laughs> Is it A, Kevin is actually a black belt in dancing with three decades of intense training around the world and two so you think he can dance dance championships under his belt? 
Is it B, Kevin is a wise and mysterious guru of the ancient and perfect art of dance and seekers of knowledge come thousands of miles for a chance to hear my words of wisdom on tap? Or is it C, Kevin it just isn't a fan of tap, though he appreciates the art form and the incredible skill and training of true masters of the style. It's just not fetch anymore. So stop trying to make tap happen. I'm going to go with A. <laughs> Brian Kimberly, you agree? Yeah, you're like Poe from, uh, from uh, um, Kung Fu Panda, but with dancing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's B. Oh, you're, which I, that, I thought you were the black belt was A. Black belt is A because I have three, or I have two, so you think you can dance championships? Oh, oh, oh. Because oh. that I'm the guru. Yeah. Is Sorry. all of the above an answer? Mm. <laughs> that actually is the answer is the secret uh, D all of you <laughs> <laughs> yes. yay Kevin nailed it Kevin tap 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 corner tapity tap oh I should have said we shuffled off to to Kevin's corner <laughs> I should have set you up for that <laughs> um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But here's a, so what I want to talk about kind of the legacy of this movie a little bit. Um, uh, so, um, so we watched La La Land, La La Land, whether we liked it or did not like it. One of the things they were trying to do with that is uh, be an ode to the um, Hollywood musicals of yours. So your, um, a lot of Gene Kelly specifically, um, whether or not you think they 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 executed on that or whatnot, like that was obviously an intention behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, like, um, you know, what are your thoughts in terms of like, do you think that something like that did it any justice? Do you think that? What are your thoughts like looking back? Like, does it feel so old? Do you think it captures any of what an actor or an artist goes through today? And like, in the most minuscule ways, is it just like, is it is it anything more than just like? a fun hour and 45 minutes. Like, I guess let's talk a little bit about the relationship between it now, whether you see that through the prism of La La Land or just like, or the prism of your life or whatever, whatever kind of relationship you want to take to it. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think La La Land pretended to be something else and it should have just stuck with its guns and said, we're, we're being a one of a kind thing because you got to really have some thick goggles on to be like, this is an ode to the old movies, like singing in the rain. It's not, it's not, there's nothing, nothing will come close to this. It, I have a, yeah. I have a thought. Cause also 
Because as an homage to this genre of movie, I don't think La La Land is, holds up to the quality of Singing in the Rain. That said, and I think I put this in the group text, it's interesting. I would love, contrary to popular belief, I, am, I was not around when this came out. And <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> but I would love to like, it is a, it, like, content quality aside, the content is a movie about the industry at its time. And I would love to know what the contemporaries of this movie thought about what this movie was doing at this time, specifically like the artists of this time. Because I feel like we have this idea of what La La Land did, not even about like the like throwback to old movie musicals, but just like the all of the industry movies we have currently, all of us kind of roll our eyes at, or all of us kind of like look at with like True. these like, we like, look at it very carefully. Yeah, like like all of the art that comes out about this time period, I want to know if they did as well. In well, so doing, good. Oh no! Well, I'm just going to piggyback because there was a trivia thing, and I want to know how true it was on Singing in the Rain about the fact that they were making this movie based on an actor who was very prominent in silent films that lost his entire career when talkies came out and couldn't recover. Mm -hmm. So they were there, and I hope that this is true, but it was on the trivia thing. So it seems like in that time, they were thinking about their industry and content as La La Land was trying to think of like, because jazz music today is being lost upon other genres of, of music. And so having, uh, thinking about that in the, in the industry and then like with Singing in the Rain, I think that was probably the only kind of common thread uh, mm-hmm. f- for me. But yeah, I was just piggyback, piggybacking off of that. But they were definitely thinking about their industry in that moment and what this yeah. movie would uh, mean to the transition of silent to talkies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went like a. I'm th- I think about like what that parallel would be in because on one hand I was like I'm surprised for as good as this movie is someone hasn't tried to remake it already like mm-hmm. if, or if they've already just been like let's not touch Singing in the Rain. Well, but I feel like all these. Well, yeah, but like I think that was for, like their first way to like see if people still wanted it. Oh, but I mean, like as unprecious as Hollywood is, I'm sure. Like I'm surprised they haven't done like. The Justin Timberlake uh, version of of Singing uh, in the Rain yet, like don't do that. I mean, but I'm just <laughs> saying, like, that, like, I'm surprised it hasn't happened. <laughs> but I feel like it's interesting to think about, like, in 60 years, mm-hmm. would would La La Land be as accepted as Singing in the Rain is to us? And I don't know because Singing in the Rain wasn't an homage to anything; mm-hmm. it was okay. commenting on silent film but it wasn't necessarily saying like look at the good old days and they like did it sure with silent film at the end to show what hot like to love itself um where La La Land was just like we threw a bunch of bright colors on a dance number and called it an old Hollywood musical yeah that's fair where like it didn't do like that visual I don't we would have just said like oh they made a musical so I think, well, to piggyback of what Kimberly's saying, yeah. Singing in the Rain is the thing. There's yeah. not, Singing in the Rain is the thing. 
it's not like trying to be something else. Like it's not like trying to be meta real, like, like it is the golden age movie musical. Whereas La La Land was trying to take our nostalgia for that stuff and place it on itself. I mean, listen, the, you, clearly it's trying to be an homage to that stuff because that last yeah. number in La La Land with the sets and all of that is is pulled directly from uh, Paris yeah. um, and this movie. Like that yeah. 11 o'clock number where it's like, and this is what's in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, also, I always find that part silly because then at the end it goes, it'll look something like that. It's just... Um, but I will say also, speaking of nostalgia, I just listened to a podcast about nostalgia. Um, anyone wants to listen to Sawbones, I enjoy it very much. But they're talking, they talk about medical ailments and nostalgia is a, came from a medical paper of someone trying to diagnose homesickness. And so they called it nostalgia. And mm-hmm. only cure for nostalgia is to go back home to what you're nostalgic for. And so mm-hmm. you cannot... La La Land can't feed off of nostalgia. The only cure for what you are nostalgic for is to watch Singing in the Rain. Mm. Interesting. Sure. No? Yeah. It's like a placebo. It's just, yeah, exactly. It like makes you <laughs> more hungry for what you actually yeah. want. For sure. Kevin, you Less were going to say something? <laughs> uh, I, just, I just think it's also interesting to note that like Singing in the Rain, while like it's, not the most progressive movie like at the time like the fact that they had a character that was a female who was strong and like the beautiful woman but she's not she's not actually dumb like that's almost like kind of the gag for the movie is that she yeah. keeps saying like well you think i'm dumb or something and there's always that beat where like they're basically saying yes but then in the end she throws in their face is kind of like a oh you didn't think i did this contract oh you didn't think i was actually like the one who knew what was going on so like the fact that the like tur- like the big joke of that like recurring thing is that like the woman beat you all at this game mm. is like a powerful statement. Like the fact that she gets torn down in public, humiliated for showing strength in front of men, is like very problematic. But, but like that's just like part of the story because she's also the villain. So like you you want to see the villain get hurt, and that's how you see it happen yeah she's the villain because she's just delusional and somehow she believes the tabloids yeah that's right. also the funniest part is that like they're in a fake relationship and she believes it yeah <laughs> i will say but she's also the villain because she gets she gets debbie Reynolds fired oh yeah she's yeah. Also many reasons there's like a, i will the funniest one is that she believes that he loves her yeah Kevin, what were you gonna say? What you well, say? I was gonna say, and they also do a really great job in the first introduction to Debbie Reynolds' character to show her as a strong character that's not falling for his garbage, mm-hmm. um, and she like kind of puts him in his place and really humbles him, which I love. But then as the movie progresses, like they take they take a little bit more of her strength away as she gets closer to him. Like she like admits that she buys four or five fan magazines, and so she, and then like the end, he's like the only fan I care about is you. And I was like, that's gross. Like, don't you mean yeah. like person? Yeah, I've seen swim fan. This uh, is not okay. She'll uh, 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 uh. get you in <laughs> the pool. She'll get you in the pool. Oh, that movie was great. Although um, I do love that, like Gene Kelly's storyline is he's this like bravado, like his like his lines to her in the taxi cab are like cringy af Uh, (laughs) how he's so like gross and like full of himself but then the industry changes 
And when the industry changes, his entire like being is like called into question and he becomes so insecure because like Kathy Selden said something and now he can't stop thinking about it. And now he has to now talk and Mm -hmm. the movie he did was bad. And now he's like, Oh gosh, do I suck? And despite like everything that he was fed before he it like doesn't have that security anymore. MVP also, of this movie for sure are all of the people in the audience during the movies who have like one line pieces. That <laughs> <laughs> girl says she's so glamorous. I want to die. <laughs> yes. Die. That's amazing. And then it's like those people are walking out of the preview of their movie when they're like, maybe they don't hate it. And someone goes like, I specifically hate it. And then they're like, <laughs> they're like oh, well, maybe it'll, you'll be fine because you two are stars. And they're like, they're finished. I tell you, finished. Like it was just so perfectly ridiculous how those were all fitted. Well, that's a good question. Well, one thing, I just want to say that Gene Kelly, who is handsome in this movie, like so handsome, is 40 years old. Um, and Debbie Reynolds was 20 at the time when this came wow. out. Wow. Yeah. Um, but let's um, let's go around the horn. I want you to answer me these two questions. Who is your MVP from this movie? And, I mean, what was your favorite number? Uh, Nikisha, let's start with you. You know. I, you, the second I started, you nodded. It's like, yeah. Um, Donald <laughs> O'Connor, Cosmo, MVP every day, all day. Uh, in a close second would be uh, Lena Lamont. My absolute favorite number is Make Them Laugh. And then a close second would be at the actual Singing in the Rain number just because of him being sick. And then and they also did that in one take. They didn't even do multiple takes. He was sick and they did it and it was done. And he so, was improving half of it. So Wikipedia says that the rumor is that it took two to three one takes and they cut that together. But apparently it took like the two to three days to do that whole sequence. No. Well, it that's what Wikipedia says. That could be a liar. He did it in one take each time and then they That edited. I don't, now that I'm not yeah. sure, but like, never that's, yeah, never that's still a crazy, crazy, like the fever. He did the whole thing and he built the camera and he <laughs> made it ring. So. I mean, he kind <laughs> of did, he directed it. He yelled at Debbie Reynolds and God to rain. Yes. But either way, it's a great number. Either way, he killed it. So it's so good. Um Haley. Um I mean uh, my MVPs are the ladies. I know I have to pick one, but I can't. But like Debbie Reynolds is perfect. She's everything I ever want to be, just like effortless and like just a magnet. You cannot not watch her. I really did try to watch the other women that were around her. And I, there's just something so special about her that I find fantastic. And then, um, Lena Lamont, I don't know her name. I feel terrible, but Jean Hagen, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Um, she plays that dumbness so perfectly and her comedy is right on. I just, oh, it's so wonderful. And then I feel like I'm going to have two again. My two fave numbers are Make Them Laugh 
and good morning because that tap dance when they are going they're going up the stairs not missing mm. a beat and then they're coming down the stairs and their faces are out there's not like mirrors that they're looking at when they can come down the stairs to tell like boop, 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 boop. like it's just oh my god it's old school magic and uh, what a time to be alive yeah uh, kevin uh so I gave a shout out to those people with the random lines, but I would also give a shout out to the two uh, dialogue coaches. <laughs> yes. They express so much character with so little material just by like the costume design and like art design of their makeup and stuff. They're like literally characters that walked off some kind of like noises off farce into this. Yes. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with that. Um, and I would say my favorite number is the Broadway Melodies number because it, as far as I can remember, had the most non-tapping dance <laughs> as well as tap dancing used like in a good way. Um, Kimberly. Um, my MVP is a costume and it is the costume I thought of the entire movie and it is what she jumps out of the cake in and then all of the girls from the Coconut Grove appear and like they have like the candy they're throwing like in like the a built-in cards. The, that little, like, hip pocket is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I love it so much. I want it for Halloween. Um, <laughs> like every Halloween forever. <laughs> Ian Haley. Oh, God. Even when I watched it, I was, like, doing the choreography. I was like, oh, God, I want to do that. <laughs> um, and Make Him Laugh is the best number in the whole movie. He's so good. Yeah, Jay was do- playing. I was about to say Jay was doing video games. Jay was playing video games <laughs> while I was watching this, and he would like stop and watch, and he actually like actually stopped playing to watch Make Laugh. It's huge. Um, when I was in high school, <laughs> you go up the wall yet? Okay, I'm here. <laughs> when I was smart, <laughs> bro, and a musical theater major. <laughs> when I was in high school, I almost sang "Make Them Laugh." or make them laugh, but did it as, like, my teacher was like, we can do it as, like, a non-dance number. We'll just come up with, like, crap falls and gags. I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many times you can fall over in a number without <laughs> doing it, like, artfully. <laughs> it's just, like... I'm just okay? falling down. Uh, Aaron. Um, my... My MVP is also Donald O'Connor. He's fantastic in this movie. Um, with honorable mentions being um, Sid Charisse in the in all of Broadway Melody and my marking man in Broadway Melody also. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what if way, to be, way what to be if- jaded in your, in your, in your musical debut. What if he gave it his all in like 70 takes and there was like one take where he had to sneeze and he was like, I just have to go like 60% on just this one because if, otherwise I'm going to sneeze and ruin the whole shot. And that's what got immortalized in one of the most important movies of all time. No, I have a feeling he, he looked like this was, this was it. And he was like someone's son. Like he was a courtesy hire for sure. <laughs> but um and then my and then my favorite number, I mean Kevin's gonna hate this answer, but all of the tap is so good in this show. 
Yeah. Yeah. All of Perfect. it's so good. Um, but I would say Moses Supposes. Moses Supposes is so number. strong. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. It's a strong number. Um, um, yeah. So my MVPs are Comden and Green. Um, they wrote so this I thing. I that was an option. She talked about actors. I mean, they. <laughs> my, my MVP is the jazz singer because without that, this wouldn't be done. <laughs> Um, Convention of synchronized sounds. Comedy and Green are my MVPs of this for sure. They Shout put this thing to together. Green. Oh. <laughs> um, and I think my, I have two, of course, Make Them Laugh is just kind of seared into everyone's memory. It's weird. Like, obviously the singing and the raid number is like the one that like you associate with this with the title and you've seen a million times. When you watch it, th- that's the one that stands out, the Make Them Laugh number. Um, and then I will also say I really, really, really love the Broadway, um, the Broadway medley at the end uh, in his dream world or whatever it is, mostly because of the century stuff. Um, the, the that and then the, the honestly just the 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 scarf or whatever you want to call it coming off of her in the wind that is just so gorgeous. It's very reminiscent of um, uh-huh. American in Paris of what. La La Land. Of La La Land, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of La La Land. No, um, I just like that dance number uh, a lot. Um, but before we get to ranking anything um, or Rotten Tomatoes, um, for all of you on Patreon, we're going to play a game for you. For those of you who um, are listening to the podcast feed, we're going to skip right to our, our Rotten Tomatoes as well as our ranking on our and ranking system. Let's do the, um, let's start with the Rotten Tomatoes on this. I will bow out, I saw it. Okay. Um, Let's go around. Uh, Anyone, jump in. Uh, I'm gonna say, oh, go. (laughs) Go Nikisha. (laughs) I'm gonna say 82%. Okay. I'm gonna say 88%. Okay. Kevin? I'm going to say 98% because it's on everybody's like best movie list. Yeah. And Haley. 94. All right. The winner is Kevin. Kimberly, would you like to tell us what it is? It has a 100. (gasps) Clever. Clever. I I can't not remember that. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? Yeah. Clever. Clever, incisive, and funny, Singing in the Rain is a masterpiece of the classical Hollywood musical. 62 uh, critics, um, 100%, and the audience score uh, with 138,604 people has a 95%. Wow. So Kevin, Kevin with 98 won because it's 100%. That's so cool. That's well, here's a question. Like, do you think that's a, that's a like, a, those are reviews of like later on, or do you think those are yeah. reviews of at the time? I think those are like Ebert's reviews and Pauline Kale's reviews. And like, okay. you know, I think it's that kind of stuff um, that okay. they pulled. Um, I don't know how much of it is like actually from the time. I didn't do the research on that. Sure. Um, but um, I do think, I do think that 100% is absolutely skewed by hindsight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Which fine, so, work. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do our and rankings. Um, Kevin, would you explain to everyone if they've never tuned in before how we rank these films or these movies, some of which may be films? Yeah, so we have a we have an and ranking system, which basically is a one, two, or a three. If the movie is a one, it is like a great film. If it is a two, then it's like a really good movie. And if it's a three, it like 
came out and gave it the good college try. So um, there's also three different levels or two different levels that you can have on each number. It can be a plus or a minus. The plus makes it that much better. And the minus brings it down just a little bit. Beautiful. So I'm going to share my screen for those of you on Patreon. Um, we're going to talk through it for those of you who are just listening. Um, and we're going to show and talk through the and rankings. Um, can everyone see my screen? Yes. yes. Awesome. Um, the approximate average. <laughs> approximate average, yeah. Um, who wants to go first? What's, what's your ranking? What's your and ranking? One plus. One plus. One plus. One plus. One. <laughs> <laughs> Too much tap. Too One. much tap. TMT. Too much tap. <laughs> there you go. So Kevin's a one. Um, and uh, this is a one plus for me. Um, typically, I wouldn't make this. Uh, this is just so much better than the other ones of its time. Like, I actually paid attention the whole time. Like, I didn't zone out. And I feel like that's a win. So this, yes, I agree. This yeah. averages out to be a one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so one plus. Now that it has moved into the one plus tier, I'm going to read these out. Mary Poppins, Aladdin, Hairspray. Wait, you're in? Was that the movie you were in? What? Oh, my God. <laughs> what um, if it was the, the, six, the, other, the 80s version and not mine? I mean, hey, that's probably also a one plus. 80s um, I don't remember when it was made. Maybe we'll do it. Um, the Muppet Movie, The Muppet Christmas Carol, Center Stage, okay, Fiddler on the Roof, Eurovision, Brandy Cinderella, Waiting for Guffman, and Singing in the Rain. What an eclectic this tier. Film. Wow. This is truly the film the category. These are yeah. the film categories. Films. Yeah. These are the films. Films, films, films. films. Amazing. I um, love the Eurovision and Brandy are with singing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, yeah. you know what? Well, when you're in, when you're in tier one, you make them roar, make them scream. Don't you know all the world wants to laugh? My grandpa said, "Go out and tell them a joke, but give it plenty of hope. Make them roar, make them scream, take a fall, but a wall, split a seam, make them laugh." Um, thank you all for joining us. Next week is Cabaret. Um, the 70s uh, uh, film by Bob Fosse. Um, uh, we'll be talking about that next week. If you've watched Fosse Verdon, it's probably a, uh, a positive thing when we talk through this. Um, but if you haven't, it will not detract from that. Just watch the movie. Um, um, we can go through all of that. Um, thank you so much for joining us, everybody here. You can follow us at Broad Wasted um, on all social media. You can find us. Oh, Kevin. Hey, that's us. Hey, that's you can, us. You can find us on uh, Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Kevin runs that. Do some theater, theater nerdy stuff. Um, you can also find us on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and review us there. Five stars. Five stars, stars please. please. Um, and then, of course, um, you, uh, every Friday you can find us uh, doing the movie episodes. We're really having a great time with those. Um, and as we end every episode, we raise a glass and we say... I know it makes you feel connected to you all.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.